0: Hi! Hey, welcome to the Cordial Catholic Podcast, a podcast for non-Catholics, new Catholics, those looking to dig deeper into the Catholic faith. I'm Kay Albert Little, an evangelical convert to Catholicism, and this podcast is born out of one particular idea. It began for me, as I'll explain in this show, with the idea of a pastor asking me the question, what's more important, the Bible or tradition? As an evangelical interning at the student church, I was floored by that kind of question and began to dig deeper into my faith the history of the Bible, of Christianity, the Reformation, what, what happened all in there before and beyond. It was in that deep dive that I encountered for the first time Catholic theology, the Catholic Church, in its own words. And it was in that of realized that I thought I knew about the Catholic Church was based in part on misinformation, and more often than not, on simple misunderstandings. Well, this show serves to fill in that gap—the gap between what you think Catholics believe and what we actually do. Each week, I have a real Catholic conversation with a real Catholic thinker from the heart of the Catholic Church. No misinformation here. And this week's conversation is a, a blessing—an absolute blessing. I am joined by Karen Edmiston to talk about her journey from an atheist as an atheist into Christianity, our Latin convert, and then our Latin convert to Catholicism uh, a few years later, and. Her husband, also an atheist, a lapsed Lutheran, who made his own Catholic journey after Karen five years later, spoilers, <laughs> sorry, and joined the Catholic Church as well, based on some incredible miracles, some beautiful intercessions from, from Karen and her husband's uh, miscarried children in heaven, who she, who Karen believes, we believe as Catholics, could hear and answer those, those prayers, pray for Karen and her husband, making their way in, into the church. Some amazing miracles like those ones and some saints who also intervene. And the beautiful witness of Karen's Catholic faith to her atheist husband, which drew him into full communion with the Catholic Church. It's an amazing story. Absolute blessing. I, I love it. I think you will too. I really do. It's It's a great one this show is brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash cordial catholic and our one-time sponsors at paypal.me slash cordial catholic thank you to those of you who are supporting this show financially it's not my full-time job so your support helps us to keep doing this as as a family and affording to do it and keep on doing this and taking the time it takes to do this thing week after week so thank you And if you want to help out those links are in the show notes and thanks to those who are already involved and thank you for listening Now, without any further ado, my conversation with Karen Edmonston on her amazing journey into the Catholic faith, I think you'll love it. (laughs) Please listen and enjoy. Hey friends, welcome back to the show. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. If you are watching on YouTube, please subscribe to our channel. Uh, Hit the bell so you're notified of all new videos and make sure you hit the like button to like this video and leave your comments below. Please engage. Let us know what you think, uh, what's going on and uh, and leave some feedback. That's always an awesome place to do that. If you are listening on podcast, thank you. Please follow the show wherever you find it. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, please do leave a rating or a review. Those help to push the podcast out to more people. This is going to be a fantastic episode, I can guarantee you. I am joined by Karen Edmiston. She is a former atheist who was baptized at the age of 30 and received into the Catholic Church at 35. Though she thought her husband may never convert, he was received into the church five years after Karen's reception. Karen is a freelance writer, a writing coach for homeschooled kids, and the author of several books, including The Companion Book of Catholic Days, After Miscarriage, A Catholic Woman's Companion to Healing and Hope, Deathbed Conversions, and You Can Share the Faith, Reaching Out One Person at a Time. She's online at KarenEdmondson.com. I'll leave those notes in the or those links in the show notes, but Karen, thanks for being here. Welcome to the show. Hi, hello. Thank you. <laughs> thanks.
1: Thanks so much for having me. I'm delighted um, to
0: be here. I- I'm thrilled to have you. Uh, and before we get too deep into it, I want to apologize to listeners uh, for sounding like my Aunt Brenda, who smoked for 40 years <laughs> of her life. I am battling some kind of pneumonia, lovely complication of seasonal allergies and a cold we all got here. So my voice has been more huskier than usual. So apologies to, to, to listeners and viewers. If I begin coughing on, on camera and, and keel over, Please pray for my eternal soul. I appreciate that, guys. (laughs) Uh, Karen, thank you for being here, truly. Uh, This is one of those kind of serendipitous occasions when I I have a lot of listeners who write in about certain topics. One of those topics is conversions of, of spouses, and what happens when one spouse becomes Catholic and one doesn't, and how do you deal with that? How do you work that out? And I had a lot of emails, a lot of questions in that realm. And I reached out to to listeners, to friends, people I knew who may know people. And Haley Stewart from Fountain of Carrots, awesome author of some fantastic books, Mm -hmm. uh, said, hey, I got somebody that you got to talk to. She's fantastic. And it passed along your name so, Karen, you come highly recommended. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> sure we'll, I'm sure we'll exceed. <laughs> Haley is
1: wonderful. As I told you, I said, any friend of Haley's yes, is a friend of mine. Absolutely. So she's fantastic. And former
0: guest on this show. Uh, well, years yeah. ago now, I think. I think probably three years ago now at this, at this point. But uh, awesome to have, have her, too. So what, what I'll do, you – sounds like you have a fascinating story, just from what I've kind of gleaned from uh, what you sent and what, what Haley mentioned to me before. So I will stop talking because Aunt Brenda needs a little bit of a break here now. <laughs> And okay. get out of the way and let you tell your story. Uh, and and we'll, we'll pause along the way. We'll, we'll dig in deeper to sections, things that are, are, are worth digging into that, that kind of make sense, the cool intersection points. Uh, but listeners just love when I be quiet, especially this week, <laughs> and, and get out of the way. So go back as far as you want to go back in your, well, I don't know if it's a faith journey, but, but, but your, your spirituality, your life, uh, I don't know if an atheist can have a faith journey, in, in the beginning but <laughs> it's <laughs> tell all us, a journey yeah right? yeah yeah tell us where it begins karen yeah and, and thank yeah. you
1: yeah absolutely so first of all i hope you feel better really soon so <laughs> that sounds pretty miserable um and yeah stop me anywhere along the way so um yeah i'll just start talking um we'll go back to the beginning i was um I was raised in a family that just did not have any religious tradition at all. Um, My dad was in the Air Force. We moved around a lot. Um, I was born in Massachusetts. I have lived in Spokane, Washington, Alaska, Florida, Um, you know, pretty diverse areas and childhood and met all kinds of people, Um, and my parents, um, who are now 89 and 88, um, and just saw them yesterday, and um, they're wonderful people. They just didn't have any kind of, uh, they weren't raised with religion, and so they weren't raising us with religion. And by the time I was in college, I um, was basically an atheist. I just didn't really, um, kind of looked around at the world and didn't really see evidence of God, and um, kind of saw a world that was hard to live in and full of kind of difficult and traumatic things, and I had had no belief Um, but you know as you do in college um, I started questioning like what is the meaning of life Um, and specifically like what's the meaning of my life Um, and uh, I I had I had a friend dear friend his name's Jack Um, you'll see his name pop up in my books when I'm talking about my conversion story Um, we met in high school and, uh, he was raised Catholic and, um, fell away from the faith during his college years and found his way back to it through a, a lot of study, a lot of prayer, um, a lot of questioning and reading on his own, um, a lot of great people in his life. Um, but so in that way, he was always like a number of steps ahead of me and turned out to be a great resource. So, um, in college, as I was questioning a lot of things, I I just started exploring all kinds of belief systems, you know. And I and I went from being a um, let's see, I started out as a theater major in college, and then I was an English major, um, and then I was in the process of switching to philosophy when I basically <laughs> dropped out in despair, and uh, just you know just trying to find my way. And um, but I kept talking to my friend Jack, um, you know, year after year, and. Um, I, I never thought I would end up in Christianity. You know, I was I was attracted to things like Buddhism, um, uh, explored that for a bit. Um, I wouldn't say seriously, not as seriously as my friend did, um, but just kind of, you know, just kind of dabbling and trying things and just trying to find out like what makes the universe make sense. And but I knew it wouldn't be Christianity, and I certainly knew it wouldn't be Catholicism. <laughs> So, um, but I kept, I kept studying, I kept reading. Um, occasionally I went to mass with my friend and that, that just felt pretty foreign. Um, wasn't really ringing any bells for me in those days, not initially. Um, and, uh, but Jack gave me a book called that um, many of us know, Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. <S. 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 And, uh, that was the first time that Christianity really started to make sense to me. Um, and then I started devouring Lewis, um, just absolutely loved him. Um, and you know, it's hard to describe how that this, this part of the journey, sometimes I feel like now it's been, it was so long ago. It's like, wow, did I, did I really go that many years in my life without belief? But, Um, a couple of interesting things happened. One was that I was reaching a point where I thought that um, I thought, okay, maybe, and and my questions, I'm going to back up a little bit. You know, my questions were so basic at first, like, did this Jesus guy really even exist? Like, how do you know, you know, can you prove it to me? Um, And, but I was kind of reaching a point where I thought, okay, I, I guess I can kind of see the divinity thing, but what does it mean that he was human too? And um, a friend and I went to see the movie, Jesus Christ Superstar. And it's really ironic that this actually helped me on my Christian journey because that show ends with no hint that Jesus is actually divine and that he is purely human. Um, They, you know, they, I don't know if you're familiar with the show, but yeah. So they like, they pack up everything at the end and they go home. It ends with the crucifixion. And, um, but there was something about that show that, that hit me. I don't know. it's just on that human level. I think just that, that very real flesh and blood sweat and tears. Um, and it, it, that wasn't a conversion turning point exactly, but I just think it's, I've always found it very interesting that God will find funny little ways to reach us. Um, and then my husband and I, in the meantime, I'd gotten married. Um, originally I'd say early in my 20s, I had said I was never going to get married. I was never going to have kids. Um, You know, we were, but my husband and I were strongly pro-choice. We did end up getting married, but we weren't going to have kids. And, um, but by this time he had taken a job. We had moved to this tiny little town in Western Nebraska and I kept reading and I reached a point where I started to do two really, really dangerous things for an atheist. Um, One is reading scripture Uh, fatal to atheism. (laughs) And the other one was I started to pray and I was just praying things like, okay, God, if you're really there, you know, you have to show me, you have to do something. Well, again, I can never pin this down to just one moment, but there was another kind of um, dramatic little turning point where here we are living in this tiny town. I know almost nobody, um, but I, I woke up one morning from, I was having a nightmare. And in the, in the dream, I was like fighting off this demon. <laughs> wow. And for those who are old enough to know the actor, Jack Nicholson, I don't know if you, you know who he is. Yeah, Everybody. Uh, um, the demon looked like Jack Nicholson. Take that, take okay. that as you will. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> that sounds right. That sounds yeah, right.
1: <laughs> right, right? <laughs> but in the dream, I'm like fighting off this demon with the words, Jesus Christ, son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And I woke up and I thought, oh my gosh, I guess I believe that. I think I believe that. (laughs) Like, oh no, (laughs) now what do I do? (laughs) So um, at that point, when you, when you're suddenly, after many years of not being a believer and you're suddenly a believer, you're, Next question is like what do I do believers seem to go to church and I don't have one <laughs> so where do I go um so I started uh by investigating the Lutheran church um my husband Tom was a uh, I guess you'd kind of call him a fallen away Lutheran at that point he had never been confirmed um and I started going to a Lutheran church. I, was, I started meeting with a Lutheran pastor, asking lots of questions, reading a lot about Luther, um, and just realized it was not for me. It, wasn't, it just wasn't working. I didn't, I didn't really um, buy into Sola Scriptura. Um, and I wasn't even sure why yet, but it, it just it wasn't all gelling or making sense for me. So then I thought, okay, well, where would C.S. Lewis go? you know, cause I love him. Yeah. So like, why isn't there a Lewisian church? I want the <laughs> Lewisian church. And, um, I thought, well, like, so he was Anglican, right? So, you know, Episcopalian church in the U S so I'll, I'll try the Episcopalians. So there was this actually like fairly high Episcopalian church in this little town in Western Nebraska. And I went there and, um, and I felt such a, a beautiful sense of peace. Um, and, For a little while, anyway, I kind of found a a church home. I didn't know if it was the church home. Um, I didn't join the denomination, um, but I did. I was just about 30 at this point, and I did um, eventually ask the the priest there um, if he would baptize me. Uh Um, and so he did. And, um, my friend Jack drove 500 miles to come at the, <laughs> at the baptism. So it was my husband, Tom and me and my friend Jack. And, um, and so here I was baptized Christian and, you know, I, my poor husband he's kind of <laughs> hanging in there like, okay, this isn't quite what I bargained for, but okay. Um, and so, Uh, Let's see. Oh, gosh, how to sum up the next part. Um, So here I am a Christian, but as I said, I didn't join the denomination. Um, I still had a lot of questions. And, you know, one of them was, why exactly are there so many denominations? Um, Why so much division? You know, it seemed from my scripture reading that Jesus had established a church. And so if he established a church, I wanted to know, well, which one where is it where do I find that where yeah, yeah. do I find that truth um, and I still was thinking but it couldn't be Catholicism could I don't think it could be Catholicism I don't want that <laughs> the, I mean interestingly the Episcopal Church had a lot of things about Catholicism that I did like I did like a liturgical church um, I did like the tradition the sense of you know tradition ceremony ritual Um, but I didn't want to deal with, um, a lot of the doctrines of the Catholic church. I still had a lot of questions about those and objections to a lot of those things. And, um, I kept reading, I kept praying, um, I kept studying, I kept talking to my friend and, um, and. Working my way through all the different doctrines, some things were starting to fall into place and made sense. I thought, okay, I guess, you know, like if you're Catholic, I can understand why they would limit communion. For example, Um, I could understand um, confession, you know, that, that kind of felt right. I didn't struggle a lot with some of those kinds of things. Um, But I kept bumping up against really a bottom line, the authority issue. You know, I, I, I reached a point where I thought, "Okay, either the church has the authority to teach me in matters of faith and morals or she does not. Because, again, you know, through through scripture reading and through these studies I was doing, you know, I'd reached a point where I. I saw that the early church gave us the Bible, not the other way around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the church was that authority there. And I thought, well, if that's true, that's Catholicism. You know, that's what it is. And it comes down to the authority issue. And so if the church has that authority, that means I will be submitting myself to an authority with a couple of teachings I still don't even like fully understand or like. And one of the toughest things, you know, for our marriage at that point was that, you know, I I went to Tom and I said, I, if I'm going to do this, if I'm going to become a Catholic, we can't use birth control anymore. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, "Mm okay. But he's also an incredible, generous, loving person who said, if it is that important to you, how could I stand in your way? How could, how could I force something so fundamental on you if this is what you believe now? And so we both took a big gulp and (laughs) said, I guess I'm going to do this. And, um, Tom was still nowhere near wanting to be Catholic. Um, he actually did not even go to the Easter vigil at which I was received into the church. Um, it just, um, yeah, it's just, he just simply was not there. Um, but, you know, from my point of view, I thought, I, how could I blame him? I mean, he marries a nice atheist girl, and this is yeah. what he ends up with? <laughs> you know, so, and he's willing to, like, go along and basically say, you, yeah, we'll live, you know, we'll live uh, with these Catholic teachings that I don't believe in. So his generosity really in so many ways yeah. was incredible. Um, and I really could not complain about that um, And, and I really thought he would never end up joining me. Um, but you know, the, the beautiful, beautiful thing about submitting to that authority and that, um, that obedience to that, that teaching, um, the teachings about marriage and and family and, and children. Um, we were, we were the people who said we'd never have kids. And here we were open to kids. Um, well, actually, we already had one child by that point. Soon as <laughs> where I start mixing up the details, Keith, it's been so many <laughs> yes. years ago. Um, once, once I became a, a Christian, I did start to see. Even before I became a Catholic, I could see that Christian marriage was ordered toward more than yeah. just like you yeah. and me. And I, I, those desires had grown in me. And we had actually had, by the time I came into the church, we had we had had two losses, two miscarriages. Yeah. And, um, and we had one 18-month-old uh, baby girl. Um, but anyway, um, it, it, the point I was getting at was just that the submission in obedience to teachings that I still felt in some ways I didn't fully understand, um, I felt like the graces then just flowed from that. And, you know, our our marriage grew, our communication grew. Um, we had, we did have another child. We had a little girl. Um, we ended up with, I had, um, three more miscarriages. Um, and then when I was 42, we had our, um, our young, we, we really thought it would never happen again. And then our youngest daughter was born when I was 42. Um, but the, I have never forgotten how, um, just the beauty, um, and how I was amazed And how my understanding of those doctrines grew after I submitted to them. Um, So, um, yeah, so there we were. Um, Tom's kind of living the Catholic life in that, you know, he's married to this Catholic and kind of living with some of the teachings of the church. And um, I started to become active in some some groups, you know, Bible study and um, some things like that. And I met some couples, and, you know, I would tell them about my husband's uh, situation. And one of them said, oh, yeah, oh, my friend Carla here, like, she never thought her husband would become Catholic either. And look, he's here with us now. And I was like, no, you don't know my husband. Like, he really, (laughs) really will never become a Catholic. And, um, but, you know, they all started praying for him. Everybody was praying for him. Lots of people praying for him and um so i and initially we we moved from arguments um over um i can especially remember some arguments over you know my conversion from being pro-choice to being pro-life was a, you know, that was, that was huge for us. And sometimes I would try to argue him into my point of view and we all know how well that kind of thing works. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So when I learned that I just needed to kind of quietly back off and pray for him and, and hope and pray that I could be some sort of, you know, light of Christ in his life instead of trying to argue him into something. Um, God was quietly at work. Um, I ended up becoming active on the RCIA team at my parish. And um, Tom, uh, we had a leader for, at a certain period of time. Um, you know, yeah, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm going to go back a little bit. Um, Tom had been, I had asked him at one point, I remembered how uh, praying basically had been fatal to my (laughs) atheism. (laughs) So I asked Tom, I said, just if you would do, can you do me a favor? Would you just, would you just pray a simple prayer? Just pray God, if you're there, you know, can you let me know in, in what, whatever way that you choose? Um, And, and, and he did take that seriously. And he, I think he did start to pray that prayer and, um, and, and our discussions had become calmer and more measured and, Um, as I said, we had two little girls by this time. And so let's see, at this point, our oldest was about six and our, um, our other little girl was about four. And Tom came to me one day and he said, you know, I've been thinking a lot about the nature of evil. And I think that evil, um, is simply being separated from God and, he said I don't want to be separated anymore. I want to be where you and the girls are. I'm tearing up as I say this. I never yeah, tell this story yeah. without tearing up at this point because I I mean I was just stunned. I was it, it was completely God at work at that point. Um and I said, well, what, you know, what, okay, <laughs> what, you know, and what does that mean? And he, so he said that he would like to um, come to RCA sometimes. We, I started to mention we had a, a leader who um, uh, was uh, very learned, very good, um, and very good at communicating about doctrines and teaching about them. Um, and I, I don't know, he was just like kind of a good match for Tom. And Tom had decided he wanted to come to RCA not as an official candidate now he's like, mind you, I am not joining the church. I just, I just want to learn more. And, um, our friend said, that's great. Just come, you know, just come and listen. You don't have to do anything official. And so that fall, Tom started just, you know, sitting in on RCIA and, um, listening, learning. And, um, we had, we had had actually right before, That happened right before Tom came to me and told me about that that revelation he'd had um, we had had another miscarriage and I felt very sure for some reason that that child was um, a boy and um, we named him Matthias because James Matthias because we lost him on the feast of um, Saint Matthias and um, which just passed actually it's in May um And, but I started praying. Um, I started asking that baby um, along with many novenas to St. Joseph. Um, But I I was specifically asking our children in heaven to pray um, for their father. Um, And, and so Tom, he had that revelation. He started coming to RCIA and um, the following, I guess it probably would have been February, of the next year um people were asking him <laughs> one guy in rca was like tom what is holding your back he's like you live the <laughs> life you know you go to mass with karen every weekend you're like you, you know what is it and tom's just like i don't know i just i don't know i'm just i'm not ready and um now i had a i had a spiritual director at that time uh father joe who had told me um a while before that um probably a few months before this happened um he had said to me that um he said i think we should both be praying to saint Charette's and ask her for tom's conversion and he said i you know look for a sign of roses well um see i'm losing i'm kind of telling a lot of this is kind of out of order this was probably the previous summer but anyway um uh he said, look for a sign of roses. I was like, sure. Yeah. I'm going to get a sign. Um, (laughs) but Tom and I were, we had just bought a new house. Um, the, that previous summer and Tom had been, the backyard was like a mess and overgrown and he'd been cutting things down like crazy and just chopping things right and left. And we were sitting out in the backyard one evening and he looks over at this bush and he goes, well, you look at that. He goes, that's a rose bush. And I said, I looked over and there were these beautiful little pink buds on this, this rose bush, And he goes, you know, I almost chopped it down the other day. I didn't know what it was. I didn't see anything blooming. I almost cut it down. I don't know why I didn't. And I was like, oh, maybe I know why. <laughs> anyway, uh, father Joe and I continued to pray for Tom. Um, and so during Lent, um, of that, that following year, uh, Tom was still, he still had been saying, you know, like, I, I I don't think I'm going to do it. I don't think I'm coming into the church and the, it probably would have been, um, it was right before it was either right before Lent happened, or it would have been like right before maybe like the scrutinies during Lent or something. Um, uh, but we woke up one morning and he said, you know, what is, he said, what's the name of the man born blind in the Bible? And I said, I don't know. I, I always just thought he was the man born blind. And why? And he said, well, because I think if I come into the church, like, that's the name that I want <laughs> to take. And um, I said, okay, well, Father Joe was coming that night <laughs> for dinner. And um, so he came over and he asked that same question that a lot of people have been asking. Tom, he's like, you know, what is it? What's holding you back? Where are you with things? And Tom said, I don't think anything's holding me back. He goes, I'm ready. Let's Let's do it. And, um, so that following week at a daily mass, um, we did, we did a, a private, um, right of welcoming and acceptance for Tom and he became an official candidate and he went through the rest of Lent, um, as a candidate and, um, and came into the church that year. Um, we never did find out the name of the man born blind. We don't think he's, he's named. Um, but, um, yeah so that and that was a full five years after I um had come into the church and um so yeah, that was about twenty, just a little over twenty years ago um and so we since have this former atheist and lapsed Lutheran have now raised three cradle Catholics, so yeah. That's that's the adventure that we have been on.
0: That's amazing. (laughs) That that that's a fantastic story, Karen. Thank you for sharing it Uh uh, in that way. There's so much I want to dig into here, and maybe I want to start kind of closer to the beginning and then work our way forward because there's, I'm going to start forgetting things. I like first of all that your your conversion to Christianity is very much is very organic and very much not like that you wanted to do, Uh, and, and and very much it's funny. I I think there's a hesitation towards asking for signs sometimes when you're uh-huh. maybe a more mature Christian or Catholic. It's like, a, it, it's kind of a cop out like, ah, send me a sign, God. And I, I, I've read memes before that say, you know, God sent you a sign. It's called the Bible. Like read it or go to mass. <laughs> yeah. like, like God, you know <laughs> what you want, you know what God wants you to do. Just do it. Let's not ask for signs. Yeah. But uh, that's, I mean, that's, that's debatable because there are fantastic signs and the saints. I love, I love when the saints send us signs like that. Let's, Let's go there too <laughs> in a minute. I, <laughs> I, I love that. And I have my own story of flowers with St. Therese. It's, oh, it's,
1: I want to hear it. <laughs> and it's equally,
0: it's equally like, wow. Oh my gosh. But I, I like how you're asking for You're asking God, you know, it, are you there kind of in the mm-hmm. beginning? Right. And of course, and then you, you, you encourage Tom to ask God, are you there through that prayer? And I've always thought and heard this too, from lots of converts to, to Christianity, to Catholicism, that of course, God wants to show you like that's, Yes, you, you you give him that that you you pray to him, you open that door, and yeah, he's he's right there waiting for you, right, to give you that kind of sign if you ask and, and want to hear it. I right. can remember I had an equally I was uh, in middle high school when I had kind of my my Christianity moment. I was raised nominally Christian and kind of recognized actually, you know junior a junior brass band like camp night or something. It was very bizarre. Uh-huh. Like at the beginning of summer, a bunch of band nerds around a fire talking about <laughs> God and the universe. And I went home and realized, wait a minute, is there a God? Like, does he want to know me? Like, what is this? I remember praying, God, if you're, if you're there. And I had this weird inclination. I said, if you're there, and if I am worthy of knowing you, which was oh, so wow. weird, like, I don't even know where that came from. I get goosebumps, wow. I get goosebumps thinking of that because I don't know mm. why. How I, you know, I'm, I'm 13, 14 years old. I don't want really to think yeah. of what yeah. I'm not. I'm not this. I'm not there at, at that point. But I thought that was my my thinking. I wasn't maybe worthy of knowing him. I want a sign, and of course, I got a really cool sign. I was safe from a from a fist fight from a guy that I had wronged in elementary school. Right, this kind of miraculous uh, saving wow. situation was, was was pretty pretty cool. But. I think of those signs in those early stages, right? That that mm-hmm. that God wants to open that door to us if yes. we, if we ask. It's it's the right inclination. Is yes. He's just waiting for us. Yeah, right? to, exactly. To, to show exactly. Himself.
1: And he's yeah, and he's he's honoring the free will that yes, he created yes. for us. You know, he gave us free will. He's not going to force himself into our lives, but he's going to say, "I'm here." And if if we're opening the door, if we're saying, "Please show me that you're here." You know he does want to do that, um, and and so yeah. I mean, why not ask for signs? He, you know, he's loving. He's lavish with his love. He wants us to know he's there, um, and I think so, yeah, signs are. <sighs> there's so many conversations we could have, right. About that kind of stuff. Like, you know, you can, things can, things can tip over into superstition or um, things like that. And, and, you know, we don't want to go there, but we also want to recognize that, like he's a real being. He is, he's a real being who wants to be in our lives. And he, he gave us the sacraments for example, for a reason, because they are, they are the stuff of earth. You know, they're a way that we experience him through real and earthly things. And so why would he not use things on this earth to, to show us to insert himself into our everyday so that we, we, you know, we're startled and we sit up and we go, that's something different. I never saw that happen before. You know, he really is there. Um, And I, not that, not that we can expect, you know, or should um, expect that, our whole lives or, you know, or, or expected as a way to keep our faith alive. Right. Um, I think one of the most valuable things that spiritual director, father Joe that I mentioned ever told me was that he talked about how often very early on in our um, journeys, God gives us, Many more consolations than we yes, will maybe yes, see yes. later in our life because we need them because we're we're young at this we're new at this and we we do need that stuff to hold on to and to hold it tightly. And the more we trust him, the more we sometimes have to let go of the need for that. Um, but those consolations can carry us through the rest of our lives, too. You know, yeah. we know that they were real. They, they felt very real at the time. They were very real. And when we are in times of desolation down the road, we can remember those consolations and say, he has shown me he's here. I know he's here. He's just here in a different way now.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, there. I, I love that, Karen. I love that so much. There are times for me when I literally printed off Psalms that talk about remembering the grace, remembering the times in God. You know, it's David writing about the times that God saved yeah, him, and and right. just you know remember these things. I, I put them on, on my wall in, in my dorm room, for example, when I was going through mm-hmm. times of, of trial and struggle. I would think, okay, remember those. Remember those times when when God was right there, and yeah. you knew He was there, and those are undeniably times. When he was there, and I think, too, for the atheist coming from nothing to believe, like those moments are 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 powerful, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. uh, For me, this this fist fight that I avoided through through a miracle, the miracle actually was this guy coming to beat me up. Now I deserved I deserved to get beat up. It was a guy who I teased from like grade three to grade like eight. I teased this Uh guy all the time, called him names. He, you know, he ended up getting bigger than me in high school, much bigger, much more muscular, and was strung out on drugs of some kind at this particular mm. time. Scary. Like, get the crap out mm-hmm. of me. He, is, he was not himself, and he was big and violent. And I remember in that instance, he's about to clean my clock, and I turned, and I said, no, 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 you can't. Me up. This is my house right here. I live here. Right? It, it was a lie. I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't live there. I was, oh. I was 10, 10 houses down from my house.
1: And mm-hmm. I was close.
0: Not close enough. <laughs> yeah. and, so, and I lied. And when we both turned, there was a woman standing in the window watching us. And he saw her and he took off because he didn't want a, a witness to, uh-huh. to this fight. And I went home and I thought, well, here's my sign from God. Undoubtedly, I was saved from being beaten, beaten to a pulp by this guy on, on drugs who deservedly wanted, wanted, wanted to cream me. Uh-huh. But I, but I deserve that. I deserve being beaten up. I recognize that, and I, and I lied to avoid it. But, but and this is for you know, the, the subsequent 20-something years, I, I've wrestled with this in, my, in my, my head, Karen, but God used that. You know, he, he used uh-huh. what I deserved, uh, avoiding that, and, and also used my, my lie, in a sense, to save me. Right? Well, it's just, and, it, it was a strange grace. And I'm, I'm like,
1: thinking back to the thing that you first prayed when you were like 13 or 14. Yeah if I'm worthy. And it's like, he was showing you, you don't have no. to prove oh, that you are worthy. That's, you know, that's
0: good. That's yeah. In
1: many ways you are never going to be yes. worthy. You know, you're not there um. yet, <laughs> but I'm going to save you anyway.
0: <laughs> this is better than therapy, Karen. <laughs> Thank you. A, that's a fantastic insight. Cause this is one of those things that, that you wrestle with. Like, you know, you talk about the, mm-hmm. the consolations that stick with you. And this is one of them that yeah. I never fully kind of grasped. Well, why did it happen in that way? But it, it was, Oh, yeah. I, I love that. That's, thank you. <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> well, I thought that was the point you were yeah, making no, too. You, is it? That, because a, you said I deserved it, yeah, but he a, saved me, you know. Great, and it's yeah. yeah, it's yeah, that's, that's a, a beautiful story. That's, that's, a that's a great,
0: amazing. That's a good insight. so I I think too if you're okay, you're you're leaning towards the, the Episcopal Church and that tradition. And then you get to a point where you're asking yourself, Well, there must be a church that Christ founded and and where is it? Mm-hmm. That's an interesting inclination. I mean, I, I got there eventually. To, in my faith journey, and lots listening to this show do, or in the process of doing that, or, or did. I, I wonder for you, I mean, what was it? Was it just reading the Bible and realizing that Christ founds a particular church and it has a certain structure and form? Was it the early church reading those in, in depth and, and uh-huh. seeing that structure and, and form there? Because the yeah. Episcopal Church, it has a lot of those trappings. It has, it has uh-huh. bishops, it has a kind of a kind of succession and and, and a liturgy. So I wonder what kind of pushed you over to, to go, no, no, this, this this can't quite be it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, grace is always my first answer. It's just God's grace. Like I have no, sometimes I have no idea. Like why was I asking that question? Although, you know, as you said, in scripture it's, I mean, there's a, you know, there's a really simple passage of, you know, you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church. He said, I'm going to build a church. And he talked about leaving the Holy Spirit in charge of the church. You know, he, when he ascended into heaven and then he sent the Holy Spirit to guard and guide the church. So all this talk of the church, the church, the church in scripture, I'm like, but what church? (laughs) (laughs) Which one? Um, And yeah, that question just kept nagging at me that if there, if there was, if it was that simple, you know, why doesn't it appear that simple? And how did we end up with all, all this division? What is it? 30,000 Protestant denominations at this point. I don't, I don't know how many, but it's a lot. There's just a lot of splintering. And I kept thinking like I, that, that can't be what God, God willed. You know, he is all about unity. He is all about us being one, one body. And, um, so, I don't know. It just kept, that just kept nagging and and picking at me. And, um, obviously by, by that time, you know, I had started reading, you know, Catholic resources as well. Um, because I, I was kind of playing devil's advocate, um, no pun intended, but, (laughs) um, but you know, saying like, okay, if, if you Catholics think, you know, that the Catholic church is the church, like prove it to me. So I was, I was looking to pick apart the argument, um, but looking for things. And that's when I started getting more into the church fathers and, you know, apostolic succession and what that meant and where, like where, so where did some of those things splinter off and change? And so, you know, between, between what scripture said and then knowing that, that we trusted the very early, very small church to put scripture together for us and, and to that we trust that authority. If we trust them to tell us what scripture is, why do I not trust the rest of it? And, and like at what point did that become more than one church? It it seemed clear that it was one church at the beginning. Um, And so, yeah, I think when you follow that back and that's where, you get scared when you're when you're on that conversion path, right? You're like, Ugh, it keeps leading me back to the Catholics. Um, I don't want to go in there," but I kind of had to because, uh, you know, all roads kept leading me there. So yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: That that I love that that. So I begin this show uh, every episode talking about my own a little bit of my own journey, and it's similar to that question you asked there. It was a Protestant pastor that I was working for. I was interning at a student church uh, when I finished my undergrad. He I, I know now was on his own kind of journey. He was doing one of his, he was doing, I think a second master's degree. And this one was in early church studies, I, I think at an evangelical seminary. And he was raised Catholic in, in very Catholic Quebec, Canada, you know, Italian, French, Canadian guy, deeply Catholic, left the faith became an evangelical pastor at some point but asking questions about, about, about the roots of his faith and encountering things in his studies that made him question things. He's still a Protestant pastor. So we pray for him every day. And there's an army of us still praying for him who, who know him through various, various means uh-huh. and are all connected and all Catholic now, but he's, he's still not. So interest, <laughs> interesting guy. But he called me into his office one day and he said to me, okay, you know, Keith, here's what I'm thinking. What's more important, the Bible or tradition? And of course, you know, evangelical, I said, well, oh, it's the Bible. Of course. And then he said, yeah, but who put together the Bible? Wasn't that tradition? And I went, like, to me, that was like a, what? What? Huh? Mm-hmm. Kind of moment. And I began that that journey of asking that question. And I realized, as you did, right, that the authority of the Catholic Church, the tradition of the Catholic Church assembled, it, it was bishops and councils, right, who, who, right. Assembled, who assembled the scriptures. So for me, that became like the kind of the, the, the pivot point for me when mm-hmm. I realized that, okay, it, it can't be scripture first because somebody had to put together the scripture, and it, and it was right. clearly in history the Catholic Church that did that. So that, for me, a very similar question began to kind of unwind. And I know too, I have a good friend, Doctor Doug Beaumont, who's an evangelical prof uh, who became Catholic, left, left his, his all that stuff to become a Catholic. That was a question for him too: was, mm-hmm. well, where did the Bible come from? <laughs> like it was right, and you realize yeah. it, it was the Church that put that together yeah
1: yeah 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 it is it's pivotal it's really it's foundational because um because if you trust once you trust that too like once you trust the church's teaching authority there like i said for me there were still like a couple things i was like you know not not totally sure i get this but if i trust that the church is my mother and that the holy spirit is guiding her then i have to trust her to teach me and i have to trust kind of like um well, you know, a, a pivotal scripture verse for me at that point was, um, and I'm t- always terrible at quoting, you know, <laughs> chapter and verse, but um, I think it's Mark ten fifteen, And it's like, whoever does not um, accept me like a little child. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I I've probably, I haven't said that exactly right. but But that was, as I was like turning yeah, yeah. over this authority question in my mind, I thought that's kind of it. It's kind of like, I'm the child here, and I'm kind of saying, like, I don't necessarily get all of your rules, God. Like, you've got some rules I'm not sure that I'm on board with. But, but you know, what parent hasn't said to their child, like, uh, you're going to do this because I'm the parent yeah. and you're the child. You might not get it right now, but you will someday, and you have to trust me. Yeah. And I thought that, like, that's kind of it. I'm, I'm the child here, and I still need to be led in some ways. And the more I grow and mature, the more I'm going to understand why these guidelines have been laid down for me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it was just a, a foundational um, and yeah. vital turning point yeah, for it, me.
0: it's a funny exercise, too, for the Protestant or the evangelical to, to, to think of. The idea of, of trusting something like that, right? Because I think mm-hmm, it's, it's mm-hmm. a different kind of journey. I mean, I can think of in my experience, you, you find a church based on a church that you think does the Bible right, right? That that's mm-hmm. this most biblically based, that might okay, I can't have children's programming or good worship or a good liturgical kind of those are kind of add on things sometimes. But right. I think oftentimes the core is a, a good church that that believes the Bible. Now of course step back and you're thinking of your interpretation of the Bible, mm-hmm. right? To find a church which opens up a whole can can of worms. Right. But the the catholic thing that conversion is is finding the church that is the church that claims it was founded by Christ and right. accepting that claim right. and submitting that that's such a different mm-hmm. uh, experience, yeah. right? At least yeah. for for yeah. me it was, right? And yeah. I too got to a point like you Mine was cooling a pot of soup in the in the snowbank out back of our house in in the winter time up here in Canada, and when I'm I'm sitting there as the soup is cooling in the snowbank, so I can put it in the blender before it so it won't burn the burn the blender, mm-hmm. and I and I I realized then as I'm thinking about my journey and and I'm praying that I was at that point where I was I I knew enough that I had to trust the church and I couldn't go anywhere else, but I wasn't quite all the way convinced on doctrines. Mm-hmm. Like you say, but at some point you you say, Okay, I trust this. I will submit like a child to this, and that's that's a scary thing in terms yeah. of how how we do church, how we how we find yeah. church, how we submit to things like that,
1: yeah, that's- yeah, exactly. and it's and it's um it's scary, but then once you accept it, it's also so comforting, yes. oh. um you know, and it can get you through it can get you through so many different types of rough patches, you know, like if you, if, for example, you, um, you know, you don't care much for your current um, pastor in your Catholic parish, or maybe, you know, the, the only one near you isn't like the greatest or the most vibrant parish or doesn't have everything that you like, you realize like, well, it's, it can't be about my personal preferences at this point. It's, I've already accepted, you know, that this is the church and this is kind of a downer, I'm sounding pretty Debbie Downer (laughs) here like maybe you've got a crummy parish but but, you know it's true that if you're not personally happy sometimes I mean I think we've you know many of us have been through that off and on in the years of being a Catholic that there might be something going on that you don't necessarily care for but you know that the foundation underneath it is still the same that priest whether you think he's the greatest in the world or the most charismatic or whatever you know it doesn't doesn't matter he's still bringing you christ in the eucharist every week that's what he can do and that's what's really important so um yeah it also brings a great deal of comfort once you once you get over the the fear of making that leap
0: yeah yeah. i've been saying lately and this this comes across wrong but it's it's right the Catholic church doesn't care what you think and i I know what you mean exactly which is which is true it sounds kind of mean but also so liberating (laughs) Right? Yeah. Because yeah. I think of this experience, and I talked, I talked to this, I think he first came up with actually talking to an evangelical pastor who was a, was a pastor at church, and be worried about those in his congregation. Was, was he preaching right? Was the worship done right? Was the church, was, was the programming mm-hmm. good and right? He, he became Catholic, and, and the freedom of realizing, no, I'm submitting to this. It doesn't actually mm-hmm. matter what I think. The Catholic Church says it's from Christ, says it has the authority to say these things, to bind and loose. It says this. Take it or leave it, and there's a right, right. There's, there of course, there's wiggle room, and there's you know, there's theologians who can discuss these things, and there's ways we can mm-hmm. we can discuss.
1: Yeah, well, and and when it becomes less about your personal taste, yes, yeah, there's like, so much that yeah. was freeing for me yes, too. You know, exactly. when I was like looking for like like what church you know do I go to? Like when I was first a Christian, even like which church do I go to? At first, it was kind of about like, well, what do I like? Yeah, yeah. and um, and it became less and less about what I liked personally and rather than what was true, you know, trying to find the core um, of the truth and, um, and there's something very freeing about that. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Gosh, there's there's tons in here I want to dig into and we don't have have unlimited time, but I want to, two things I'm thinking of for sure that I, that I think are so beautiful in your story. And the first is, the closeness of of the saints. Talk about your your children in heaven who were miscarried. The closeness mm-hmm. of that in your relationship, like that praying to the the saints, Saint Therese, and, yeah. and how important the saints in heaven were for for your your uh-huh. journey and the conversion of your yeah. husband. And second, the living that Catholic life, the fact that you you were doing that, you invited along Tom on that journey as well. And of course, he was gracious enough. That's amazing, <laughs> you know. Go, Tom. That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> to to do that. But those two things just strike me as such an interesting uh, uh, approach to the conversion of our spouses. And I think too, for me, I mentioned in the show last week for for listeners listening to more than this episode. That my experience with Mary, my first Mary in prayer, as a, not even really sure that I believed in in Mary as uh, as an intercessor who could pray mm-hmm. for us was at a point when my wife and I had a great big kind of knock them, drag him out fight about my, my conversion. We don't, we don't often fight. We didn't often fight, but this was a, this was a big one, Karen.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, and I sent <laughs> I my first... Relate. I, I, yeah, I said my first prayer to Mary as undoer of knots. And the next morning, it was like a three... It was like a 180. My wife was like, you know what? Yeah, you said a lot of things that made sense. And I did some research, research on my own last night after we went, to, we went to bed. And yeah, I think there's something in here. And the oh, night before... I was like, "No way she'll ever convert. Never, 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 never." <laughs> and overnight, like this, this prayer was just like, and and I credit that to my asking Mary to mm-hmm. pray for me. So I love that for, in your story that, that closeness of the of the saints of those in heaven yeah. praying for us. And there's yeah. nothing more beautiful. I don't want to. I don't want to. I I can cry in this show. I do often <laughs> cry in this show, but the beauty of your kids, like that's amazing to think that you can harness, you can ask those prayers for, mm-hmm. for their father. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's so, that's so beautiful. Yeah. Oh, thank that's
1: you. Amazing. Well, it's again, the grace of God. And it's, um, and you know, by that time I had grown so much in my own relationship, yeah. like with Mary and the saints and I firmly and fully believed that my miscarried children were with the Lord. Yes. And um, you know, when I wrote after miscarriage, Um, So I want to say this to any of your listeners who have lost a baby, if you fear at all, this was so important to me to make sure that I made this point in the book and that I share this as much as possible because sometimes we Catholics are way too hard on ourselves and we worry that we didn't do something right or, you know, we didn't get the sacrament to that baby. Well, you know, you... A lot of women who, um, and and men too, who have lost a baby, worry that they weren't able to baptize that baby. Um, And, you know, baptism is a sacrament for the living. God gave us that for our salvation and for the salvation of the living. But God knows how to handle his own rules. He can break them if he wants to. Um, He, you know, he he would not expect us to baptize someone that we had no possible way to baptize. And... um, I also, like I always carried really close to me um, Pope John Paul's words. He actually was, it was in a letter he wrote actually to women who had had an abortion, but he said to them, uh, you know, that they should rest in the knowledge that their child is with the Lord. And um, I thought, yes, why would all babies, all babies not be with the Lord? So I never, I never doubted that. I never feared that they were not with him. Um, I always encourage other women who have lost children to um, trust in, in God's love and mercy because he is so loving and merciful. Um, God didn't invent limbo. St. Augustine said, Hey, maybe, maybe what if limbo is a thing? Uh, That was never a doctrine of the church. And so, yeah, that's something I, I trusted in so fully Um, always have always encourage other women to trust in that and to, to name those children um, and ask, yeah, ask them to pray for you and for your whole family.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's incredible. I love that. That's yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, I, it's- I'm I'm speechless, which is not good for a host of a, oh. a podcast. <laughs> I love that your your Rose story too. The closest of the saints in that way, and the the miracles that the saints can bring us. I love those stories so much because so again, it just shows the the thinness of the veil between the living and the dead in the Catholic Church, which is different mm-hmm. from many evangelical experiences when there's kind of a separation between the dead and the living. We're not; we, They can't pray for us in that in that theology. But right. I can, you know, my own story was, I, I don't know what it, why or what happened, but I had having a bad morning, walking the kids to school, and I had prayed to St. Therese that morning and said, please send me a sign that, you, that you're praying for me, a, a consolation. And literally walking to school, and a lady was out in front of her house trimming her rose bush and literally just turned and hands me a rose. With, didn't even say a word. Just I'm like, It does not I get was,
1: more direct than that. I I,
0: it doesn't. I was just, I was, and the kids are with me and I'm like, they're like, Daddy, what's, why are you crying? I'm like, like, guys. So I, I did, I explained to them afterwards, you know, because oh we're raising beautiful. Catholic kids too, but yeah. literally just hands me a rose. And I thought, what is, like it couldn't wow. get more literal than that, right? I just, love that, and no I words. Just it was, it was amazing. So <laughs> that is so, fantastic. That closeness, yeah. I I love. Okay, I I want to talk about the living of the of the the Catholic faith and that as a witness to 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 conversion, right? You guys lived that that Catholic life. I can think for us. The turning point for us was we went to a marriage counselor. Uh, when i When I was converting to talk about mm-hmm. this we, we were we were married in the evangelical church we had been there for years, All our friends were there our friends were, there. were 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 leading the church we were involved in ministry together so for me, that movement at becoming Catholic was was huge because our marriage was really yeah. founded on on our shared faith and and this church we were a part of not atheism and and Catholic but but closely tied to the identities. so I went to the marriage council and i I realized that that the turning point was when my wife was suddenly defending my Catholic positions to our marriage uh-huh. counselor, while well, she was still evangelical. He was uh-huh. a little bit, he, I don't know why we paid him. He was a little bit testy, uh, <laughs> had good credentials in hindsight, not the best because he would just kind of grill me. Well, why do I become Catholic? Like what, like why, what are you thinking? What, what are the reasons? I think he was more interested for himself in, in arguing about, about uh, Catholicism. Uh-huh. But then she began to stand in for me and argue things that I had, we had talked about from you know, so so defending me, and I go, mm-hmm. hey, wait a minute here, like you know, you know all these answers, and and they they're coming from a place of of knowledge and, and understanding, and that for us was kind of a turning point. She was seeing me live that out and hearing me talk about it, and mm-hmm. beginning to own that to then you know have that come for for her to be true. So I think mm-hmm. even more so the idea of living this out for you guys, like li- literally living out the 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 Catholic view. On, on sexuality and on those kinds of things, mm-hmm. uh, uh, God bless Tom and in, in in being amazing in that way, but what an awesome witness to actually begin just to live out that faith and bring him along as an example of of the beauty of the Catholic teaching that's
1: yeah, I love that yeah well, yeah, yeah, thanks be to God, right <laughs> uh, well, and I think that you know um I mentioned my friend Jack earlier, and I have often referred back to him as, um, uh, and he and some other friends were actually um, kind of the inspiration for um, one of the books I've written. Is called "You Can Share the Faith: Reaching Out One Person mm-hmm. at a Time," and it's and it's based on that idea that um, you know that we don't have to go out there and try to argue people into submission and argue people into the church, but that people can just be this quiet living witness. And, um, you know, my friend Jack was that for me. Like he was, I watched him, I watched him stray from the faith he was lived, uh, or raised in rather, and that, and, and investigate and, you know, study and pray and claim it as his own. Um, you know, it's one thing to raise a child in a faith, but even, even the most devout Catholic parents we have to realize that our children still have to claim that for themselves someday. They have to actually examine it and figure out if they believe it and figure out what their relationship with Jesus is. Um, But he was just that, um, he was a Catholic example to me of someone who was living his faith, friends with this person who was guilty of, at times in my life, a lot of sin, um, a lot of stupid choices. Um, a lot of rejection of everything he believed, but he was still my friend. You know, my friend loved me through a lot of the ugliest times in my life. And I've always looked back at that and thought that's, that's what I want to be able to be for other people too. Um, And that particular book, you can share the faith is just kind of full of stories. It's kind of structured as a do's and don'ts, like kind of do this, don't do that. But every story kind of comes back to that foundation, which is, um, you know, live your faith, realize that you're a flawed person living your faith and just try to get out of Jesus's way and let him work through you. However, he can do that with other people in your life. Um, And with all kinds of people in your life, you know, like I'm really a big believer and we can't just surround ourselves with people who, who believe like we do and think like we do. um, How can, how can we ever have an effect or share, you know, what life with Jesus is like if we are only with other people who already believe that. Um, So, yeah, I think I'm kind of getting off. I think I'm getting, I'm rambling now. (laughs) I'm getting off topic here, but um, just the idea that I had people in my life who were loving, patient friends. And, and so that's hopefully what, but I try to shoot for it too. Yeah,
0: yeah. And you never know who is going to I mean, who's watching us? I think that's kind of creepy. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe a bit too creepy, but
1: no. But you I, know what? That's exactly <laughs> what the first chapter of that book is called. It's yeah. like, don't forget who's watching yeah. you. I was watching Catholics. Yes, I yes. was. I saw. I saw the hypocritical, yeah. unkind ones, yeah. and I saw the kind and loving ones. I saw all of that. So yeah, I. No, I totally agree with yeah.
0: that. One <laughs> of my one of my first experiences of actually my very first ever Catholic mass. I had a very good a semi-serious Catholic friend in university who took me to a mass, to, to mass one, noonday mass uh, on campus. Now he was an awful example of being Catholic because he'd go to the bar, get, get, get drunk for class. One time he'd get drunk, come to come to a class and then try and give his lecture. And it was just, he fell asleep like on the, uh, on the podium waiting for for his turn. And it was, he wasn't a good example of a, uh, of right. a Catholic great guy did a right. lot for me. So I'm of course praying for him, Mm-hmm. every single day and, and his own journey but my very first Catholic Mass the, the priest I remember this you know celebrated Mass and then I was struck by the fact that as soon as it ended he just rushed out and was gone and that was for me like wait a minute like that's obviously just a guy going through the motions he doesn't he doesn't care to do this this is not a, a real thing a real relationship thing he's doing here mm-hmm. you know I have my own hangups and was obviously judging him quite severely not very cordial of me <laughs> <laughs> but you know, probably he was going to give last rites, or going to you know, be at a lecture to be be at. And he was a prophet on campus and had to also you know give a lecture, or was late for mm-hmm. something. Like, who knows why he was rushing out? Right. But in my mind, I was watching him and watched him rush out and jumped to a judgment, and which I'm sure I was wrong about. But still, we don't know you know who who's watching us right. and, and, and right. what and what they're seeing, and not just in that like you said, live that perfect pious Catholic life. Live that authentic Catholic life, right? Walk through those struggles and those losses and those those damaged bits, mm-hmm. holding on to your faith as, as best you can, because that's an example too, right. right? To the the power of of the Catholic faith, not just trying to be this perfect, put together you know person, right? Like
1: that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I I can I can think too. I mean, the the, the miracle for us. The most recent miracle for us is a friend of a friend who, who became Catholic kind of out of nowhere. I mean, Who knew oh, she, wow. was, she was watching us and, wa- and watching our friends? Actually, mm-hmm. the, first guy, the first guy that came in and talked to me after I became Catholic was a guy from our church who was a lapsed Catholic. We met for breakfast. He brought his friend because he was worried that I might try to convert him on the spot. So his friend came <laughs> with him. For, for backup, and we had a little conversation. It was quite cordial and nice, but he was resistant to you know, the, the authority and, and pope. And he had bad experiences as you know, being raised Catholic. Well, ten years later, his wife out of nowhere says, oh, I'm becoming Catholic," wow. and no, and no one knew, right? That she, that she was watching examples uh-huh. like, like ours and other friends of ours who were living out Catholic lives, and she saw the authenticity, and and the meaning, and and the depth, and. Of all the people in the world to convert, I I had no idea she was even thinking of that, right? But
1: that's amazing. Yeah, living out
0: that life—that,
1: yeah,
0: it's yeah. There's there's
1: power in that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Get get out of the way and let Jesus shine through us.
1: We hope. We hope, right? Yeah, Yeah, we hope and pray. That's the way.
0: yeah. Yeah. Well, Karen, my voice is obviously. Had quite enough. Uh, listeners ha- <laughs> Listeners haven't, and I haven't either. So this is a great, you know, part one to maybe in the future, more conversations, because there's a lot we can, sure, we can talk about. To. And this has been, listeners will love this, I'm sure. This has been fantastic. I will put notes to, uh, or links to all your stuff in the show notes for the show. But is there a place you want to point them towards uh, where they can... Sure. Maybe sure. get more, hear more, re- read more from you. Yeah,
1: um, yeah. Um, probably the easiest thing is just go to KarenEdmiston.com. dot com, and um, that's my website where um, there are some there are links to the books I've written, um, my blog, which is not very active these days. Really, <laughs> um, I do participate in. Um, in a group of people on the internet who post about poetry every Friday. And, um, I, I, do that every Friday. Um, other than that, it's the blog isn't super active these days. Um, but links to all my books. Um, my latest book that came out last year is the companion book of Catholic days. Yeah, yeah. And that's about the liturgical year. And, um, so yeah, that's another thing we didn't even get into, but just yes, living that yeah. whole liturgical year life was, um, life-changing yeah, um yeah. but yeah com is the easiest way to find out more that's so fantastic you'll
0: have to come back again
1: I I, I'd, I'd love to sure I'd, yeah
0: that's awesome uh karen i want to say thank you so much for for suffering through 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 my my <sighs> my horrible <sighs> Yeah, may, may, I just
1: hope you get better soon. Please thank you. I'm going soon.
0: right to bed after some tea with honey, yeah. and we'll hopefully will be great in the morning. Yeah, thank I you. So. And I want to say God bless you and the fantastic work you're doing for the church, Karen, and thanks for being here today. It's been a real treat. Listeners will love this. I love this. So thank you. Thank you so thank much, Karen. Thank you.
1: Thanks so much. Thank you. God bless you, and feel better soon.
0: <laughs> thank you. Ha ha ha. Thanks, guys, again for listening. Uh, this is when I recorded this bit here the day after that interview because I couldn't talk anymore at the end of that. And I apologize. Thank you for the time off in Purgatory. You've never seen for making it through that episode. As my voice was slowly, slowly dying, I'm feeling much better. Even the day afterwards, I'm on some great prescription drugs. Feeling better. Glad to have got that under control. It was three weeks of suffering under a terrible cold and seasonal allergies. Not COVID, thankfully. I, I'm good. I'm okay. And we're doing better. Uh, and thank you for listening to that, guys. The CordialCatholic.com is our website for show notes and my blog and things that we're up to. CordialCatholic at gmail.com for your emails. Please do reach out. I get back to you as soon as I can. I get a lot of emails sometimes, so please, your patience is appreciated. But I love hearing from you guys, where you're listening from, why you listen, and your, your well wishes, criticisms, comments all those things. We're on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at Cordial Catholic, The Cordial Catholic on Facebook, and youtube.com slash The Cordial Catholic to watch what you are listening to. If you want to head over there, uh, make sure you subscribe to that channel as well because that, work, that thing's growing and it's been amazing. Some awesome traction finally on YouTube. These are all filmed and put up there to watch as well. If you listen on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, please leave a rating or review. That helps to push the podcast out to new people. And to support this show, financially, those links are in the show notes, patreon.com slash cordialcatholic or paypal.me slash cordialcatholic. And thank you to those who are already supporting this show. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for your prayers. Pray for me. I'm praying for you too. Talk to you again next week. Thanks so much, guys. Take care and God bless.